Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. You're listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. It is the Oz Network coming to you once again for a spoiler-free movie review. The movie that I was excited to see all of 2023, so much so that I saw it in 2024. Because I live in Australia and the world hates us. So they say, Ben, we hate you. You can see it in 2024. I am talking about the movie... That is Ferrari, a movie about Enzo Ferrari, the founder of Ferrari and the man that I've wanted to name my firstborn son after probably my entire life, starring Adam Driver. That's appropriate. Uh, Penelope Cruz, (laughs) Ben's future wife, Shailene Woodley, uh, and Patrick Dempsey, who's no longer in Grey's Anatomy, so Ben can appreciate him a little bit. He's no longer Grey's, just wait. (laughs) Yep, uh, he's now in White's Anatomy, uh, which I think is actually the secret subtitle for that show. My name is Ben, and I'm going to be different. I'm going to read this one quote, but I'm actually going to read the other thing that's underneath this. My name is Ben, and what is the streaming release date of Ferrari 2023 in Germany? Uh, and my name is Colin, and... <laughs> this isn't the most quotable movie of all time. Um, I but- mean, you have to understand the accent. To, to get it. it exactly hey i'm enzo ferrari da, da, but you da, know da. the good news is you can understand everything shailene woodley says in this movie because there's not even an attempt at an accent oh she does it at least five times uh <laughs> <laughs> i mean they didn't even try but it'll be cruise they're like hey you're not from america you've got a european nobody accent. will know the difference <laughs> you'll work um <laughs> i i mean look this is we i think we touched on it briefly in at the end of aquaman spoiler-free review that, you know, this is a movie that I think no matter what, I automatically go into liking uh, because of my history. I've been obsessed with Ferrari my entire life. I've always been intrigued by the Enzo Ferrari story. I I read this book uh, that this is based on last year. I've been meaning to read it for many, many years. And very, very fascinating individual is Enzo Ferrari. And as a Formula One fan, always been revered in that world. But, I mean, I, I thoroughly enjoyed this film. Uh, I think that it, at the end of the day, it it is not a racing film, which a lot of people, mm. I think, go into this. I mean, the trailer, in all fairness, also kind of sells that it's a bit of a racing film. Uh, I have a friend of mine who I call him my Formula One friend. He sort of travels to races with me and I said like, oh, you're going to go see Ferrari? And he's like, oh, no, I don't really like racing films. And I haven't seen mm. him since I, before I, see, that was before I saw it. But like, I want to say to him like, Sam, this is not a racing film. There's maybe like five minutes of racing footage in this film. So it's more of a character study and obviously based a lot on a certain period of Enzo Ferrari's life. And I also think it's a 
bit of a different biopic that I think a lot of people, maybe you go into this thinking like, oh, you're going to see Enzo Ferrari born. You're going to see him like this is where he becomes mm. and then he's going to die. No, this basically just covers one part of his life and barely scratches the surface on how he became who he became. So it was a different film that I was expecting, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. I, uh, I'm a big fan of the Ferrari that we see in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. And that was my knowledge. I wasn't even aware there was a man until, until a couple of years ago. <laughs> uh, but uh, I mean, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Michael Mann. I've seen every one of his movies with the exception of like, his first movie that he ever made. Uh, and he hasn't made anything. And I don't even know how long. It's been almost like a decade, I think, since the last movie he made. Uh, so, I mean, I was excited just that he was doing anything. Um, now, uh, I will say, I think there's more than five minutes of racing in this movie because the, the, the one main race we see probably lasts for at least 10 minutes of this movie. Mm. Um, and, and it's an incredible sequence. But I'll, I'll give Jamie's review before I get mine. Here we go. Jamie, uh, I told her she owed me this movie because she dragged me to that uh, Boy in the Heron. <laughs> you owe me well, a movie the... about things that I don't even really care about that much, but Ben wants to see it, so you owe me. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 she dragged me that boy in the heron like uh uh anime movie now no, you she... don't know me anything because you saw ferrari that's right <laughs> she's yelling um, at you now <laughs> she didn't throw anything it's progress <laughs> but uh uh th- that japanese animated movie uh she sold it to me it's like christian bale and mark hamill do voices in it i'm like okay i guess and then we go and it's not the dub version it's a subtitle version so i told her you're going to see ferrari with me so we finally did uh, and Jamie finished the movie and said, you know, I didn't think I'd like this because I don't really like racing movies. And outside of the one racing scene, which I didn't care for, that was a really good movie. Oh. I'm like, yes. I'm expecting she it loved to not it. like it. Okay. No, she really liked it. Um, yeah, I, I don't think this is necessarily the very best movie Michael Mann's ever made. But I mean, I, I appreciate when you have a true story that's told in the same way that if you were to just sit down and write an original screenplay, this is what you write. It takes place over the course of a few weeks. It's telling one story. You don't need the context of everything that happened beforehand, you know, and the the other only other biopic I think Michael Mann ever did was the uh, Muhammad Ali movie, Ali, which I've come around on. But I, that was one of the first movies where I'm like, I don't really think I need to see a movie that covers 20 years of a person's life. You know, it, it, you just lose so much uh, momentum when you do that. But this movie was very fascinating, mostly because these two lead characters, uh, Enzo Ferrari and his wife, they are characters and, and not in an over the top way not like a house of gucci way which is a movie i still can't finish uh just they're very lively characters not for the sake of making you laugh or or poking fun at anybody it's like they they are big personalities and that's what i found so interesting about this movie you know some of the the shoddy accents aside i mean i feel like adam driver's getting a lot of criticism for his which is way better than shailene woodley's and i would argue better than penelope cruz's because it's not even 10 people penelope cruz is getting off but uh to the point I thought this movie was great. I thought it was a blast. I can't wait to see it again. And if this movie's going to get any nomination, give Penelope Cruz an Oscar. Like, seriously, wow. She just got nominated, I think, for a SAG, I believe. Um, and, I mean, this is kind of getting snubbed by a lot of the awards. I mean, mm-hmm. it was uh, touted for a lot of awards, but it's not really getting any. So it's kind of the one that's kind of getting lost in the fray. I will say that there is a Ferrari biopic an italian one that was done in 2003 it's just literally called ferrari uh which i do have oh, i've just very I, much like this one <laughs> i know um but i've never actually watched it but i know it's like a two-part like i think the whole thing goes about six hours or something like that but i mean i've had it for a long time i've just never watched it so I, I i wanted to try and watch it before i saw the movie but i just didn't get a 
chance to to do it. And the book, I will say, is called Enzo Ferrari, The Man, The Cars, The Races, The Machines by Brock Yates. It's on my shelf over there. I should have brought it over and I could have showed it if we did a video episode. But anyway. Um, but yeah, I think that it's, it is very intriguing, and particularly to hear that from you and Jamie, because like, I mean, if you don't know the story around Enzo Ferrari and you, you've never heard of kind of this tumultuous period in his life, I mean, it's it's similar to like I've always said, if you watch the Netflix film Schumacher, because, you know, nothing probably about Michael Schumacher to see that perspective that you would bring. So it's kind of interesting to hear those thoughts from someone who doesn't, you know, is not overly familiar with that. And the thing, I've watched a lot of interviews with Adam Driver uh, and he honestly didn't know anything about he didn't even know who Enzo Ferrari was either and he didn't want to do this basically Michael Mann talked him into it and kind of sold it to him which I like that honesty from Adam Driver that you know sometimes was like oh yeah I've been an admirer of Ferrari for years and he was just kind of like yeah I didn't know anything about this (laughs) so I just kind of I kind of did it because this role actually I mean this movie's been in development hell for a long long time Uh, the book that I've one point you're like wasn't it like Christian Bale was supposed to do yeah, it at so once upon a time? Christian Bale was initially signed on to do this role, I think, in about 2016, I want to say. Um, and I think that was even before he did Ford v. Ferrari, obviously. But like, and I think he just had issues around the weight gain and everything along those lines. So that kind of got scrapped. But then Michael Mann actually, and I remember it being announced, he signed on Hugh Jackman. Hugh Jackman was originally cast as mm. Enzo Ferrari. And this started to get put into development. And I think everything started to get worked on. And I... I Correct me if I'm wrong. They might have even started filming some initial, you know, principal photography for it. But then I think COVID kind of put a stamp on that, and then things just kind of fell by the wayside. So when they finally picked this up again, uh, Adam Driver came on board. Which, I, look, in all honesty, I think both Hugh Jackman and Christian Bale could have played this role very well as well. I, I, I think that I can see both of them as Enzo Ferrari. I remember when Adam Driver was cast, I was a little bit skeptical. I'm like, mm, really? But I think he pulls it up very well. He's got the nose. Can I just say he's got the nose? <laughs> um, which, you know, definitely works. But I think he does a way of almost, I don't want to say sympathizing Enzo Ferrari, because if you read the entire book, like Enzo Ferrari is a very interesting man. But, like, I, I don't think I went into this expecting almost to have a bit of sympathy. And in a way, you don't, though, because, like, there is obviously a lot to him that, you know, he's not very sympathetic. Because obviously, you know, he's got a woman on the side. Uh, he's kind of, yeah. you know, portrayed as sort of a man who just is more about his cars and caring about the people. Because this is always a, a very, I guess, tough period in motor racing when everybody, whenever you watch a documentary or coverage of it, because it is common that, People are dying every weekend in Formula One. I mean, you know, basically, you you if you went a weekend without somebody getting severely hurt or killed, it was a good weekend. Um, so I think they kind of balance that. And the, the I think Penelope Cruz is fantastic, but I guess my issue with the the character of Laura Ferrari in this film is that I think this is where Michael Mann has gone a lot of creative liberty to make this character into something that the book does not portray her as. She is talked about in the book and she is kind of a a prominent figure in the Ferrari organization, but the book kind of sells her more as a bit of a, a cuckoo bananas character that nobody really knows a lot about. She apparently would be seen like walking the streets, talking to herself and like (laughs) everyone thought she was legitimately crazy. And that like people didn't really fully know the extent of how involved she was in the company and that things weren't all there and that people were like, Mm. you know, think she should have been in like an insane asylum so i think michael mann's taken a lot of creative liberty to make the laura ferrari character a lot more of like a yeah i run the company i'm a strong powerful woman and which i'm not faulting i think I, it works very well 
but I just I think I think it, you still get glimpses at the crazy in this movie. <laughs> but it, but it's like it's that was the one bit that I got out of this after reading the book. If I hadn't read the book, I wouldn't have you know at all. But I'm thinking like, what? Wait, she was a bit of a crazy woman, <laughs> like. <you know? laughs> um, and also apparently her and Enzo Ferrari's mother absolutely hated each other's guts, which you see a little bit in this movie. Kind of see, yeah. But uh, a lot more than this. But I think the performances overall, though, this is my long-winded way of saying that ne- never do a movie where Ben's read the book because I feel smart, so I feel like <laughs> I have to overanalyze. Um, I think the performances are great. I know you don't like Shailene Woodley, but I even think she does a fantastic job. Come on, she's not bad. Uh, all right, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to say this. Um, this is the first time I'm not a fan of hers and it's because I've literally never seen her in anything where I didn't think her performance was absolutely terrible. This is the first time where I'm like, her performance is decent. It's just unfortunate that she might have the worst accent in movie history. Uh, I mean, there are people who get like uh, criticized for bad accents because it's maybe they go too far with it. But there is like, uh, like you said, five times in this movie, the accent comes out to the point where multiple times throughout the movie, Jamie and I would turn to each other and say, I don't think she's actually supposed to be Italian. And I'm like, no, no, but listen how she just said that. I think yeah. she is. There's not even an attempt half the time. Like it's, and, and most of the reviews I'm reading seem to be singling her out for being miscast in the movie. Um, I, I wouldn't go as far as say she's miscast. I think she doesn't have the ability to do an accent. But I felt like for this role, again, not knowing what the real character was like, she's the only character in the movie that you're actually supposed to feel for a little bit, you know? Cause, cause even with uh, Penelope Cruz's character, uh, you, you, there's definitely moments in this where, you know, she's finding out certain things that are going on and she's kind of breaking down and you're like, Oh, I feel bad for her. But then there's other parts where like, I really can't feel bad for her because she's kind of a terrible person too. Yeah. But with Shailene Woodley's character, like you, the audience I think is supposed to sympathize with her. And for the first time ever, I didn't want to, you know, literally run out of the, the theater screaming death to Shailene Woodley after seeing this Is movie. You do? You, <laughs> I just want to mention death to Shailene Woodley! Death to Shailene Woodley! <laughs> I don't actually wish death upon her uh, because she's she's okay in this movie, but wow, that is like one horrible accent. <laughs> I, I mean, could you, how do you think a Christian Bale or a huge, I mean, what do you think of Adam Driver in this movie? Uh, see, see, I kind of, I kind of like Adam Driver because Adam Driver has that, that stoicness, you know? And and Christian Bale could definitely play that. I mean, there's nothing that Christian Bale can't do, you know, and there's really nothing Hugh Jackman can't do. But I feel like they command your presence more just because you know who they are, like because of their star power. And I'm not saying Adam Driver doesn't have that star power, but he's he's one of these guys like that was the appeal in the the Star Wars movies mm. is that you look at him and it, it, it only takes about five seconds for him to command your attention is not because you knew who he was. It, it's the presence that he has. Uh, the ages of the characters, I, I don't know if the, whether they're downplaying the looks, but like apparently he was supposed to be in his late 50s at this point. Early Penelope 60s. Cruz is supposed to be in the late, early 60s. Shailene Woodley's character is supposed to be like 50, 48 or something like yeah. that in this movie. Like, well, Adam Driver is they, actually, uh, in an interview, because they were talking about this, I think on Stephen Colbert, and um, Adam Driver's actually in his early 40s, believe it or not. Like, I don't actually realize he was that yeah, old. But I mean, <laughs> they they still, they, they do a decent job yeah. aging him up. I mean, yeah. it's, it's hard to not know that this is a young guy playing an older guy. Uh, but but I, I appreciate like his makeup at no point was ever distracting. Um, I thought his performance was like, it was very, it was intriguing to watch him. I think between him and Penelope Cruz, he's the type of guy you just want to sit down and listen to him talk because everything he says, there's like something, uh, it's like you were saying, like, does he care more about the cars? Does he care more about his trophies? Does he care about the drivers? You can't quite get a grasp on him. Whereas Penelope Cruz, she's very in your face. You know exactly where she's coming from. And I think that's perfect summary of it because, again, in the book, it just it it 
even the author Brock Yates kind of says like there's this enigma around him and he and the book is almost I want to say the book's almost a very negative betrayal on Enzo Ferrari because pretty much all the publications out there praise him and it is often said in Italy that like the the two most famous people are the Pope and Enzo Ferrari so like kind of he's his godlike figure in Italy but I think that Enzo Ferrari uh, sorry Adam Driver does a very good job at kind of yeah, as I said, like almost humanizing it, but it's still leaving mystery to it, I think, because yeah. even in the scenes where, you know, he quote opens up. Like, I mean, the most harrowing scenes with him are obviously when he's in the grave with his son, um, you mm-hmm. know, and he's kind of breaking down. And even, I think, even the fight scenes between him and, and Penelope Cruz, like, I mean, it, it takes you back a lot to marriage story. Um, but yeah. th- but then there's even like comedy in it, like with the whole gun situation. Like, there's just stuff like that that's actually really, really funny. And I want to say this movie is gorgeous visually uh it was oh filmed it, it in... might be the best looking movie of the year so uh ferrari famously from modena in italy and this was filmed where ferrari are from and i saw it into with adam driver saying that you know we had to do it here and he explained it so well because like i know you're not a car guy but i think the ferraris look absolutely beautiful in this film as well and he basically said like if i was filming if we were filming this movie in southern california the sun is going to shine differently on the Ferrari red than it would in Modena of Italy where Ferraris are born and you need to see that red, that stunning Ferrari red shine underneath the Italian sunlight. Mm. Things like that, which he does like, okay, like, you know, like that that really does make it sound really good. But, um, yeah, I mean, it just visually looks fantastic. Special effects, what we get in the racing. Like, I mean, the limited racing we get in it is done very, very well. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that... You know, from memory, you liked Ford v Ferrari, didn't you? I mean, you were yeah. a fan. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Um, I mean, again, it's not Ford v Ferrari where the majority of that movie is racing. But, like, I mean, I think kind of just visually, the the racing bits and all that sort of stuff. I mean, you said just then you think it's maybe the best-looking movie of the year? Yeah. Yeah, I think the cinematography in this movie is unbelievable. Uh, and the racing sequence, I, I, I think most of what you're getting what, what the appeal is with this is that it's not what i think modern audiences expect out of racing i mean you know we we get some track racing but the big sequence of this movie is traveling across the country you know there's people who are driving into ditches and i mean probably the most terrifying sequence of this entire movie oh, is people uh, people standing by just these innocent bystanders uh, and uh, I, I, yeah, the, the sequence is because it's something we've never really seen before. Just this race across the country. It's something different. And there, there's little tricks Michael Mann does here to make everything look different. Like there's there's POV shots from inside the car where you, the way you're looking at it, like it looks incredible on a big screen, but you almost feel like everything's closing in on you. And, and I don't know if that was a special effect or if that's just the speed at which they actually film these things. Uh, it, it was incredible just the, the different perspectives he was able to give to the, some of the racing scenes. And then that one sequence at the end like oh my goodness like yeah and again jamie was like oh i didn't care for the racing stuff but like even at that point point jamie like jumped out of her seat she's like, oh. yeah which is what um i was gonna say about that so the and i'm probably gonna butcher the pronunciation it's the milia milia the miler miller the big race across italy basically which was a real <laughs> event and again this 100 percent true story of what happens in this movie it's basically based around this incident that happened at the race in 57 when uh, one of the Ferraris crashed into a crowd, basically killed about 10 or so people, including the drivers. Most of them were children. This this sadly happened. And from that point on, this race was cancelled. Um, and Italy in real life is is a, is a country renowned for, kind of like America, they just, they just sue. 
So basically, as soon as something like this happens, they automatically blame Ferrari. And like Enzo Ferrari got like sued and dragged through mud. Never got convicted or anything, but it's what they did. The last time there was a, a major, major death in Formula One, there has been one since. But uh, when Anton Senna got killed, he died in Italy. And then the Italian prosecutors tried to kill the team and like uh, kill the team. <laughs> they sent the mafia after. <laughs> they tried to sue the team. Um, so all the thing. But yeah, that, that one scene, I think, because, you know, in a racing movie set in the 50s, uh, there's always going to be death. And this movie does a a, a job where the, the the few bits you see and there's a crash here or there, you never see anything. It's kind of implied. You hear a crash sound. You might see a wreckage. That's kind of it. But when this scene happens, I think what Michael Mann does a very good job with is it is so confronting that it kind of, it comes out of nowhere and it's very short, mm-hmm. but like, there's there's one sequence in particular where you kind of see it happen, and then there's just this one shot of like yeah. this, oh. and like it's it's very very full on. It's one of the it's one of those moments where like if you're watching this on like streaming or Blu-ray, that you'd rewind about five times. Because, Did I just see what I think I just mm-hmm. saw? Like it's like whoa. Yeah. Um. And that's actually you talk about criticism. That a lot of people have been criticizing that as being too graphic. And there's a, a viral clip that it kind of went uh, out there of Adam Driver doing a Q and A after a screening of it, and basically someone like called him out like this is like what the hell this is way too graphic and adam driver basically is like look fuck you like like this is he literally just replied to this person like fuck you and then everybody is like come out and defend it like well like this is what happened and if you read the story about the driver involved in this crash alfonso de portego that is exactly how he died that is exactly mm. what happened that is accurate to every little detail um so yeah very confronting but i think you kind of need that in a movie like this and and again, mm-hmm. if you know anything about racing back in that period and how crazy these people were to do this with no safety, like, I mean, they literally were yeah. racing on public roads where children would lie in the streets watching cars <laughs> doing 200 miles an hour, like with nothing to protect them. I can't go to a Formula One race now and get within like 20 meters of a track without <laughs> getting 50 safety breedings and wearing a helmet, basically. Like, I mean, you know, think about just the logistics around what people were doing back then. But yeah, it's, yeah. it's a confronting scene that you need. And I don't think it's too much at all. No, I, I think that it's 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 handled exactly as it should be. And the reason I think it might be rubbing people the wrong way is because of the way the rest of the movie's handled. Like yeah. you said, when other things happen in this movie, it's off screen or you just see a glimpse of something. Uh, and they're almost played off like, I'm not, I'm not gonna say jokes to make you laugh, but like there's a scene where somebody else dies and Enzo Ferrari literally just turns to somebody who he just basically said, get out of my face and says, come see me Monday because then all of a sudden I'm gonna need a new driver now, you know? Uh, and then all of a sudden you have this one sequence at the end. It's meant to catch off guard because it's not something that modern audiences are going to understand. I mean, I, I was even kind of confused uh, right before the big race when you see them all writing letters. Mm. And I'm thinking like, so why are they writing letters? Like these people are there. They're going to see them throughout. The, you, there's literally a guy who writes a letter to somebody he sees in the middle of the race. And then you realize that's they're they're putting their their lives on the line to the point where we might not come back from this race. And it's just it's it's a spectator sport or whatever. So to hold off on that one really graphic moment until the end, I think was a smart thing to do. I think that like for me, what's most interesting about this movie is that this is a political movie that just happens to take place, you know, in, you know, I don't know, rural Italy uh, involving race cars. Cause everything in this movie has like political implications. You know, there's the personal storyline with uh, him and his wife and then his mistress. And it's all political moves with that. He's like, you, you got like, 
a banker who's not supposed to mention a certain property. And then you got like, oh, I'm going to go find out where this property is and everybody trying to cover up that. And there's, there's an amazing scene where um, he's talking with um, uh, Shailene Woodley. And, well, who knows about us? And he's running out. Oh, and that's it. She goes, and this person and this person, and this person. And then you get all this stuff with, okay, well, you know, I'm going to like him and his wife, I'm going to, uh, agree to this only if you pay me mm. and it's like but i don't have the money to pay you and then their their negotiations back and forth um the best stuff to me was this movie's really about the fact that he's about to go broke he's got what maybe three months left yeah and what he has to do to stay in business and seeing the way he's manipulating the media because like you said like you know they're, they're looking to sue anybody everything that happens in this movie has a negative spin and then watching how he has to maneuver against the media and even make deals on the side like that's what's interesting this is like a politician story hidden inside a racing movie. which is 100 percent true enzo ferrari was obsessed with what was written about him he used to keep every little piece of newspaper article and he would study it and so in this movie where it's kind of portrayed where he's like kicking reporters out of his press conference that was true he he remembered he <laughs> you rem said this go <laughs> yeah he he remembered journalists and he remembered what they wrote about him and he would legitimately hold grudges against them for his entire life like it was absolutely true what he would do with that and i think the interesting thing is in 4v ferrari if i'm not mistaken they briefly uh talk about i think ferrari buying ford in that movie from memory or there was like a little plot line or some some involvement around there where there was talking about that or maybe it was ford buying ferrari and obviously it didn't ultimately go through but yeah this this was a true thing ferrari nearly went bankrupt eventually they were bought by fiat uh so you sort of see in this movie him like swaying because fiat's obviously an italian company mm -hmm. um and for until maybe in the last 10 or so years ferrari had been owned by fiat until very very recently um, so I think that, yeah, very, but it's a great way of summarizing that it is kind of a, a, a political movie. Um, and like, again, if people see this movie in our facet, I, I do recommend the book because like you, you read a lot about just like Enzo Ferrari's time in the war and how kind of like, he never was like a, a fascist with Mussolini, but he kind of had to be because like in mm -hmm. that part of time and history, if you owned a prominent business in the country, you sort of had to go along with what the fascists were doing. So a lot of people would say he was a Mussolini sympathizer. He wasn't, but he also wanted to keep his company and not be killed. So he kind of just... Yeah, I, w I wondered about that because like they, yeah. they mentioned stuff during the war here and he mentions yeah. like, I thought, okay, was he, you know, serving? What was he doing? He was but like meanwhile, a machinist. He's like, no, I'm running my factory. He, he built like parts for, for the military, basically, that, that his factory got turned into like building parts for, you know, Italian tanks and things like that. Um, and, and Modena was like, bomb, like the Ferrari factory was destroyed about three times during the war. Um, but like, it's just, you know, kind of how it all happened. I think that, I mean, like it's obviously we're in, entering Oscar season. I, I haven't really seen anything else outside of this Oppenheimer and Barbie that will no doubt get nominated. So I don't really have comments. I mean, clearly, you know, I think this has lost any momentum. It's clearly not going to get nominated. We're not going to be watching this mm. again, let's just say, in a couple of weeks' time. And and realistically, what is this going to get in the hunt for Oscar? Maybe Penelope Cruz can get a bit more buzz around her yeah. if she gets some SAG stuff. But even then, that's not looking too great. Do you think this is robbed of getting... I mean, I don't know how many of the other films you haven't have seen oh, at this stage. I, I've seen I've seen a lot to the point where I'm actually wondering if there's going to be anything left for me to see when the nominations do come out. Um, and on, I'd put this like in my top 10 of the year. Like this is a great movie, um, not necessarily top five, but uh, it'd be a shame if the cinematography doesn't get uh, a, a nomination because it is an incredible looking movie. And I, I would 
I would go to bat and say Penelope Cruz may be one of my favorite acting performances the entire year, male or female, you know, lead or supporting. It's amazing. Uh, but uh, it, I don't think it looks realistic that it's going to get any nominations, although there are much worse movies that probably will get nominated, like even some of the top Oscar contenders right now. I'm like, I don't really see the appeal over something like this. That one, give us one. Colin is a Barbie. Uh, no, not even Barbie. Not even Barbie. <laughs> I, I had to put it out there. Uh, just one fun fact I wanted to share with you, which I, uh, and it's going to tie into something else, which I wanted to break the news to you on air that I discovered in the last 24 hours, because this is going to come in handy later in the year for a certain episode that we do. So uh, the character, the, the main guy who sort of gets killed in the crash, Alfonso de Portego. Uh, oh, yeah. In real life, not only was he a racing car driver and a Formula One driver, a very brief Formula One driver, he actually was an Olympic bobsledder. He competed oh. for Spain at uh, the 1956 Winter Olympics in the four-man bobsled team, and they were fourth. He actually nearly won a medal at the Olympics uh, in Spain. That's like right before this movie takes place, too. Exactly, and right before he died, like about 18 months before he died in real life. So there's a fun fact for you. And just this ties in to a bit of thing which I want to tease because I've started reading The Disaster Artist by Greg Sestero since I oh, bought that nice. book, since I watched that. The actor who plays Chris R. in The Room is also an Olympic bobsledder. Did you know this? <laughs> not, so not the guy from The Disaster Artist, no, but the, the actual real, Chris R. The actual guy <laughs> who plays Chris R. in The Real Room was on the Armenian bobsled team at the Salt Lake Olympics. Not kidding. That must have been an intense locker room hype up that they had. <laughs> and he went on to run for Congress in the US. <laughs> um, I'm saying this is a legitimate thing. Dan Jin Jiaya, I cannot pronounce his last name. I apologize, Dan. We get him on this show, get him on off the podium. I mean, he went to the Olympics. The greatest success story out of the room, a congressman, an Olympian. And he, uh, read the book. I'm about halfway through it. It's so fascinating. It makes me want to watch The Disaster Artist again. But that was like the one takeaway that I've gotten out of the book. He was an Olympian? <laughs> um, so there you go. That's that's the room coming later this year. But Ferrari, uh, obviously I'm buying it. And I'm assuming based on your words that you're buying yeah. it as well. Yeah, 100% buying it. Uh, um, I, I think that, uh, like I said, it's it's floating around in my top 10, but as far as entertainment goes, I'd probably also say this is probably one of the most entertaining movies I've seen all year too. Like it doesn't drag at any point, even though it is kind of, you know, a more simple dramatic movie, like not a lot of racing. Um, it's a blast to watch. Uh, I'll, I'll watch it again. I will buy it. I'm going to buy it, Ben. <laughs> do it. Do it right um, now on Amazon. Not uh, out yet though. I, uh, I, I think I mentioned to you, or maybe we did this at the last episode. We, we do a lot of episodes. I forget what we say in half of them most of the time, but I've still got that free movie ticket that I got from their stuff up of Blue Beetle. And I was going to go see this with that free ticket, but I splurged saw it on a bigger screen. So I'm like, ah, oh, shit, I've still got that free ticket. So yeah, I might uh, go and see it again, or I'll go see that uh, Bryce Dallas, Texas movie with Henry Cavill in it, uh, which looks oh, Argyle. Argyle yeah. Is it called Argyle? Yeah. Uh, well, maybe we will go see that. So maybe coming soon, but obviously we've got uh, Oscars around the corner. Um, I think we're going to be talking a lot about Oppenheimer again, based on what we just <laughs> saw at the Golden Globes. Um, I, I mean, again, we liked Oppenheimer, but does that just go to yeah. show more that there was not other better films? Because, I mean, it was a good film, but it wasn't the, a brilliant film. I don't know why it's sweeping all the awards, but hey, I'm no <laughs> expert. <laughs> yeah, and I, I liked Oppenheimer. I I continue to defend it when Jamie continues to say it was the most boring movie she's ever seen in her life. 
Uh, but I don't think that Oppenheimer makes my top 10 of the year. Um, <laughs> maybe just outside. Uh, th there, there's better movies in Oppenheimer that probably won't win. I, I honestly don't know if Oppenheimer is going to win Best Picture, though. I think they might give it to Christopher Nolan, but uh, I don't know. We'll have to wait in another month and a half to see if we're right on that. We will see. But, uh, of course, coming very soon, in a couple of weeks' time, we've got Anniversary Month with Jazz Owl, Jim Carrey. I don't know why I'm speaking like this. <laughs> um, see, Ben already can do more of an accent than Shailene Woodley. <laughs> I actually, so the other night, I just had a bit of a, I'm going to lay in the catch watch random movies night. I watched Eddie because I'm going to New York in a couple of days and I fucking oh. love that movie. <laughs> I'm going to a Knicks game, so maybe I'll get picked out of the crowd. I, I don't know. But then I was just going through a movie like, I'm going to watch The Cable Guy. Um, so I watched The Cable Guy and I hope that in a couple of years' time for the 30th anniversary of that, we can do that because it's a fantastic film. So I'm getting in the mood for Jim Carrey, Colin. You know, it, it's not on the topic of Jim Carrey, but you know I almost watched the other night? The Air Up There. Oh, see... <laughs> It's I, I watched Eddie and then I was going to have a double basketball night. So I was going to watch there up there. But the, I actually discovered, so in The Cable Guy, there's a basketball scene. And if you remember in the air up there at the beginning of the movie, when Kevin Bacon is trying to scout that young kid to St. Joseph's College, he's like a young blonde kid and he eventually like goes one-on-one -on -one with him and he doesn't want to play for the college anymore. That actor who plays that kid is in The, um, the Cable Guy. So I was like, hey, I can't. In the basketball scene of the cable guy? Because yeah, he was actually a, a real life basketball player. So I nearly watched the air up there as well. So there you go. Kevin Bacon, Jim Carrey, what a hard night that is in more ways than one. Um, but also, Scott Pilgrim, be the world, that's happening. Uh, Scott Pilgrim takes off. Yeah, that we're uh, coming up on episode number three. And there's only eight episodes in this. So eight episodes plus, I guess, a series, season, series recap. Um, it'll be a short lived thing, but. Uh, it gives you something else to listen to if you're tired of hearing a Ben. Yes, exactly. And 24 as well. If you're not tired of listening to Ben, then you can listen to us talk about the end it's of season, season six. six. Don't bother with it. Yeah, it's nearly <laughs> over, folks. So don't worry. But uh, yes. Anyway, um, my name is Ben and... <clears throat> and my name is Colin. I do better accent than Shailene Woodley. Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at the Network.net. Thanks again for listening and we'll speak to you next time. like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah! If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon! <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. Wow! 
For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. <laughs>